This is the Conrad Alert. Civil defense information will be broadcast at 640. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Y2K. How can we prepare? Stop a few of their machines and radios. Throw them into darkness for a few hours. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Over five years. Thousand gallons of gas. Air filtration, water filtration. Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. Streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Telegram, Twitch, Rumble, Odyssey. I am Toolman Tim. Today is January 29th, 2023, and this is episode 245 of the Workshop Podcast. Well, how the hell is everyone this evening? we got a good crowd in here already. I see Know Your Joe, One Step Closer, Byron Clark, Chris Dixon. Good to have you, folks. Always, always good. Clark, Clark Deacon says he could use some pointers and welding. This should be good. I'm looking forward to it. Dan and I have been chatting a little bit in the green room beforehand, and we'll get him on in just a minute. Uh, really, the only announcement tonight, guys, is you got two days left to take advantage of the Mitch is a bitch <laughs> promo code. If you're looking to get uh, two free patches, signing up for patchofthemonth.co, run by there, hit that promo link, and 10 bucks a month, $100 a year. So you got two days left to get those two free patches. So that's all there is for me this evening. So let's bring on Dan. Give me one second here. Hey, Dan, how are you? Good. How are you? Not bad at all. I, I always love how we pretend like we haven't been talking for five or yeah. ten minutes before we come on, you know? So <laughs> that's what I'm sure, right? Yeah. Where did you get your bourbon? Oh, absolutely. Excellent. I, I didn't I didn't pour any tonight. I think uh I don't know. Yeah, just uh made too many live streams this week, I think. So <laughs> yeah, you've been busy, you've been, been dropping a lot of stuff lately. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, we've been we're doing four a week. Um might cut, you know, who knows? But yeah, it's gonna stay. I imagine we'll be five shows a week eventually, probably just four, three or four live. But yeah, it is. So, Dan, where are you at? We are in the southern tier of New York State in Conklin, New York, uh, right on the border of Pennsylvania and New York State. And uh, no, we're kind of right in a valley between the mountains, so it's it's a nice uh, agricultural area. A lot of freedom here, considering it's New York. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's funny as a. An ignorant Canadian. I remember going to New York City as a 18-year-old kid in university or, you know, and uh, up until that point, I had always thought, you know, when people said New York, I only thought the city. It's hard to believe how little the city makes up geog geographically wise for the whole uh, the whole state. Hey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of we get that a lot if we travel. Oh, you're so you're from the city, huh? Where where about in the city? I know upstate. We're not technically upstate, but everybody calls it upstate. Sure. I mean, anything that isn't New York City is almost upstate, right? I guess if you really get down to it uh, with certain people that live here, it's the Adirondacks is what's upstate. Okay. So. Ah, you know what? I'm a Canadian and I can travel all over the U.S. and people are like, oh, do you know Jim or Bill from Toronto? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's only, you know, a four-day drive away in a city of eight million people or whatever. Yeah, I know him, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, yeah, tell me a bit about you, Dan. Like, where where'd you grow up? The... You know, the tradition here is we got to hear about whatever your first uh, menial job was for pay, that sort of thing. But yeah, fill us in on your background. Yeah, so uh, I grew up here a couple towns over. Um, went to public school, you know, my whole life, everything. I wasn't really in any sports or anything. I played hockey and I rode BMX. Nice. BMX is kind of what led me into welding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I spent most of my time kind of right in, right in town. 
house was close by. It's, you know, I played street hockey and rode my BMX bike and I spent a lot of time on the weekends in the summer. My aunt and uncle have a cottage up near the Syracuse area. Nice. So that's kind of where I got my little bit of mix of a city boy and a little bit of country boy. See, you grew up in town then you're a town boy for the most part. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what was your first job? Where, Where did you start out working? Well, like a lot of kids, I did a lot of yard work for the older neighbors. So that was like the first, first thing I did. Then um, I was a dishwasher in an Italian restaurant in high school. How did that go? That must have been fun. I hated it. Yeah, I bet. Everybody hates the first job. It's okay. <laughs> Do you ever watch that 70s show? Do you remember the, the, that 70s yeah, show? A little bit. I don't watch a lot of TV. I remember uh, Eric there, his dad told him he got fired from his first job. And Eric said, or Red said, don't worry about it. Everybody gets fired from the first job <laughs> or at least hates it, you know? So it's funny. I look for, <clears throat> sorry, That's I look right. for jobs. I look for little jobs for, you know, a couple years. My, my old man took me down to the <clears throat> government building, got my working papers and all this crap. And I couldn't get a job anywhere. I even tried getting a job like, you know, changing oil in cars or whatever. And I couldn't get nothing. I don't know why. Probably because I look like a punk ass city kid. <laughs> sure. You know, they so, figure you don't have work ethic, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I did a lot of yard work and stuff, landscaping for the neighbors, the older people that didn't really have any family right there. Then I got the job as a dish dog, and I as about the time I picked up welding and I started doing a little bit of side jobs at home. <clears throat> My dad had a couple little welders and I used them until they about blew up. And, uh, you know, he picked me up a small MIG welder uh, when I got out of high school. Well, I was a certified welder coming out of high school. How did you do uh, that? How did how'd you make that work? Um, the, uh, the instructor set us up with some test coupons, and uh, he was able to get a, a CWI, a certified welding inspector. Yeah. It's, it's uh, licensed to certify people. And I got him to come in, uh, you know, one day a month at the last two months of school. Wow, what that's an incredible teacher, number one, but that that is an incredible opportunity for you. I mean, how many people do you know come out of school with certification like that? If they really try, anybody can do it. Oh, yes, (laughs) but I don't don't know what it's like in your neck of the woods, but we have like a vocational school, 11th and 12th grade, your last two years of high school. You're you have the choice to go there half day and pick up uh, either a trade. Um, they'll teach us like equipment operating, uh, they'll teach you warehouse logistics. Uh, there's some, some real basic, like nursing and first aid courses for people that kind of thought they might want to get into the medical industry. And, uh, if you, you know, you just put up a little bit of effort, you can get certified as, as whatever you want coming out of there. But I don't know if it's like that all across the country or in Canada, but you know, there's some a, a little bit here. It, it, they get, the kids got to work for it a little more, but they do like a work placement where, like I know a guy I was working with in the oil patch. He was only like 22, 23. And he he um he kind of he got a lot of experience with flooring. I'm not sure what the the trade was or whatever, but he got certified in that. And it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was I I think that's important. I just coming from the East Coast, we didn't have that growing up. So yeah. it would have been would have been neat to have for sure. I thought you I, I should probably tell you the the entire story of that. Yes. I, uh, I originally in high school, I wanted to be more of like a general contractor. Okay. That's where my head was leaning. I was kind of, I was up in the air between something like, like a building trade, general contractor, heavy equipment operator. 
and uh, I considered law enforcement for a bit. I wanted to be like a town cop. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I ended up deciding why I'd rather work in the trades for multiple reasons. <clears throat> There's something about structure that doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> so I, I get it. Yep, I do. So I went to the uh, orientation there at that, that vocational school uh, right towards the end of 10th grade here. And I was going to take the carpentry class, and I thought I would get into like some uh, structural engineering or job site management kind of courses. I go into this carpentry class, and I watch this kid bend like five nails over one two-by-four. You know, I've been building stuff with my dad since I was six years old. I'm like, this isn't for me. They go, well, you got to have something to, to kill the next hour before you go back to your high school. I'm like, all right. And they gave me a piece of paper, and I said, how about welding? I went into the welding class and like, those are my people. That was a rowdy bunch. You know, and the, the instructor was lively. The kids seemed to be having fun. Sp uh, smoke and sparks flying everywhere. So I decided to take it. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I was, I did a lot of BMX riding and I broke a lot of parts. I was like, well, shit, I can fix my own stuff now. And my buddies. And he was one thing led to another. And I went to a secondary welding school in the Albany, New York area. Got out of there and I uh, I got into the aerospace industry for almost a decade. Really? Uh, certified aircraft welding. That, yeah, I, that's got to be particular welding that you need to do. Very particular. Very clean, too. It's actually, if you can sit down for long periods of time, it's not a bad gig. That's really what you do. You're sitting down. You're like in an office chair in a very, okay. clean, very clean environment. You know, air conditioned, fully ventilated clean material. There's no dirt or grease on anything in there, but it's tedious. And I just, I, nine years of sitting on my ass, eight, nine hours a day. It just, I was starting to talk to myself and argue with myself. I, I had to find something. Good conversation anyway, you know, you never, never lack for conversation. So, <laughs> so you did that for nine years. So what, what goes into that? That's kind of intriguing to me, but so was it, um, like a part that's either like stress cracked or broken that you have to repair off an aircraft or is it stuff you're manufacturing? No, new new okay. manufacturing. So uh, a lot of government contracts, you know, the big ones, the Lockheed, Raytheon, United Defense, welded uh, parts, products for all them. Sometimes there'd be new prototypes. We'd build one or two and send them back and they test them and inspect them. And, you know, they give us green light or red light. Not a lot of one-off stuff. It was a lot of, you know, small run production parts. Okay. Um, welded some bomb housings. Uh, built a handful of things that go on nuclear subs. I've, I've pretty much built something for every branch of the military, whether it's the Navy, um, nuclear subs. There's air, all sorts of aircraft parts, vehicle parts, you know, tanks, Humvees. I worked on a lot of stuff for the M1 Abrams. Yes, sir. Uh, we built some of the uh, the gun parrots that come out of the top of the Humvees. Yep. A lot of cool stuff, but a lot of boring stuff, too. You know, at the end of the day, is for the most part, just manufacturing. Just on a higher level. So is that where you, was when you walked away from that, was that when you started your own business, or was there something else in between there? Oh, so I left there in 2013. Okay. And I went to a different factory just because I needed to do something, but I needed a job too, you know? Like, I do. Yeah. 
we're about to have a kid and I needed the benefits at the time. So I went and I worked for a company building forklifts and it was much higher pace, very dirty, hot, no air conditioning, complete different situation. But like I said, it was, it, it wasn't bad. It, it paid, didn't pay good, but it was a paycheck and there's good benefits. So that helped out having the kid. I didn't want to do that for very long. It was a long drive. It was 30 miles each way for the drive. Oh, you know, to make a little over 400 bucks a week, that kind of sucked. And that, that was $400 a week in 2013. That, <laughs> that, that, that's, yeah, that's not, that's not great money, is it? No, no. So, <clears throat> you know, I've always kind of had my own equipment and I've always done like some side work and this and that, and not anything serious, you know, I, I, fix stuff. I'd fix farm equipment. Usually a lot of people find me with small agriculture equipment and whatnot. And my dad has been a mechanic his whole life. So a lot of people come to him to fix things. And, you know, if I needed structural work or welding, I would do it. Sometimes I'd, I'd fab up some, some parts that were destroyed too much on a, you know, whatever brush hog or tractor, anything. Yep. I put bushings in the boom arms on uh, tractors. So I ended up taking a job real close to home. And it was an interesting job. We're outfitting vehicles for handicapped folks. Cool. Yeah. Different. Tough gig. Yeah. Tough crowd. <laughs> That's when I really decided, like, man, just hopping job to job to job. I'm not going anywhere. Every time I start a new job, they want me to start out lower. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to find at that point, you know, coming out of working in the aerospace industry for almost a decade, I had a lot of skills and I had a lot of good expensive certifications that a lot of guys don't have. Sure. So every time I meet a new HR person <clears throat> or a new manager or whatever, they talk a big game, you know, we, I, I need guys like you and we got a place for you. I, I got, you're going to, you're really going to like this. It's all <laughs> the same story, but you know, you got to start, you got to start someplace and we can't just bring you in at a way higher position or, or level or pay rate or whatever. Come to find out, that's pretty much where they were going to stick me and leave me. And right. that happened over the over three different companies. I I just got sick of listening to these these guys in HR blow smoke up my ass. You know, they're basically trying to get all the skill set that I built over the years and all my qualifications for you know a buck an hour more over or over the the you know the guy they just hired on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So that's when I really started thinking I need to actually start just a side part time business nights and weekends. And, uh, I went, I, I tried to get some small business counseling. Okay. There's actually a lot of resources for that here in my area. Unfortunately, a lot of the people, it's a, it's a lot of volunteer work. It's a little bit of, you know, paid job comes out of our, comes out of our county taxes, I believe. Okay. But, uh, man, I, I got nowhere with a lot of these guys. I mean, it took me till just recently to find like a good, you know, a couple of business mentors, there was a, a huge disconnect with some of the older retired guys. You know, like the people I meet with now, they're real encouraging to be on Google and Facebook and sure. And these other, you know, the guys I first started trying to get some small business counseling from it's all like, Oh, papers, letters, mails, call places, ask for the manager. It took me nowhere. Unfortunately, I, 
I put a lot of time into it and it, it just didn't take me anywhere. I finally got to the point where my wife was doing good enough and I go, think I can just wing this? Because I don't know Aww. why. What'd so, she say? Oh, she, she said, I don't know why you haven't yet. Aww. <clears throat> See, you got yourself a good lady there. That makes me happy because that, yeah, that's cool, man. So what, um, what year or when did you start doing the, the evenings and weekends thing? So that probably would have been probably early, early winter, not early winter, I'm sorry, late winter of 2016. Okay. Yep. So I was just about to turn, I just, I turned 31 at the time, I guess that year or right before. I was starting to get the itch. I was starting to feel like a midlife crisis was coming. That's the age, man. I word you. That's the fucking age right there. Yeah. I'd already been working for what? At that point, you know, 16, 10 years over, a little over 10 years I'm working. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not making any money. I was just miserable, but I, I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. I just got sick of being miserable doing something that I, I really love so much. So I kind of, I started the side hustle and, Picked up a few good clients, uh, people I'm still doing work for today. They've been very supportive of me, and I actually just taught a, a, a blacksmithing class to one of my first other businesses that came to me for work. Nice. I brought the owner in, and I, I taught him some basic blacksmithing, and he gave out uh, some fire pokers that he made by hand for uh, for Christmas gifts. Okay. So, and uh, I've changed jobs two more times. Kind of same deal, you know, guys, guys in uh, positions of authority there and human resources, just blowing smoke up my ass. And uh, that, that, I think that really gave me my midlife crisis, actually. Because <laughs> so I remember uh, standing there at, at work there. Uh, it was the fall right before the pandemic became a thing. So like early, or I'm sorry, late of 2019. Yep. Okay. And I remember just staring at my machine. I couldn't get a thought out. I couldn't get a word out. I'm like, what am I doing? I've got to do something with my life. And that's how this was all born. I uh, made it till the following summer or that summer. And uh, I pulled the trigger and went full time. So how'd that go? You know, right off the bat, it went good. Um, I, I'd spent some time, you know, getting this shop put together, getting my equipment out and Brushing up on some things that I hadn't done in a while. Started talking to some other people, other, you know, like small business people that I know. People do landscaping and, you know, stuff like you do. Um, got a couple good referrals from some family friends. I, I got to do some uh, some structural work. Guys building new houses from scratch. Got to put steel beams in where they built houses on top of them. And, you know, all the little stuff that they needed done around the houses. And it went really good. I got myself in some real assay jobs, some stuff I wish I never did. But, you know, that first year, year and a half, I I was doing okay. I was, I was bringing in work. I was making money, learning things, reinvesting in the business. Last winter got real slow, and it got tight. But, you know, just as we're about down to our last dollar, my phone started ringing again, which is kind of weird. But... <laughs> What, uh, how come it got so slow? Do you think any, any, any ideas? Um, I've noticed I definitely have a winter lull after new year's. 
Yep. Okay. And I'm kind of experiencing that right now too. I'm just not panicking about it. Uh, I know guys are looking to get stuff done when the weather's better. Um, I got a couple, a couple jobs that come in every week, but there's always that winter lull from like mid January to usually mid March. Okay. I mean, last year we had a monster snow and ice storm the last week of April and about a couple days into that, we were without power for a week. Uh, a couple days into that, my phone started ringing. I don't think it stopped till about three weeks ago. Wow. So it just shit got wrecked in the storm or what happened? Man, a little of everything, you know, uh, awnings come down, big metal awnings come down. Uh, guys out there breaking plow trucks. Uh, people wanting new railings, you know, a tree limbs or something will come down and crush a railing in a nice storm. And you name it, guys out there just beating on equipment. That's really my bread and butter. It's it, so when we get these storms, and guys are out there just beating the snot out of their plow trucks and their and their skidders and their excavators, uh, that that brings me a lot of business. That's awesome. I mean, it sucks for them, but I yeah. So it it's cool that you're re you're recognizing that pattern of. Uh, kind of feast and famine it took yeah. took me two or three years to kind of find it too were you were you able to plan maybe just a tad bit better this year for it or is it still i mean i know it's always tight but yeah were you able to prepare maybe a little more or no i was definitely more prepared um i'm also very fortunate that my wife's business is doing very well and she's put a, a ton of effort in in uh, continuing education into actually growing a business nice so she does she gives me a lot of room to to screw up and to to be slow for a couple weeks um but i i at this point i i feel like i made enough connections that i there's almost always something coming in it I, you know i may not be doing you know five to six thousand dollar weeks like i'd love to but you know there's there's something coming in all the time so when you went from working for someone else mm-hmm to working for the uh, for yourself. Yeah. So how how many hours, if, if you had to work now, I always love doing this math, but if you had to work now for yourself, how many hours would you need to work in a week to make what you used to make in 40 or whatever hours working for the man, do you think? Uh, like, like a gross? Yeah, ballpark. Not many, less than a day. Right. Is <laughs> that's insane? That, it, but but it's true, isn't it? Like that. It that's, is. and, and, and you know, like everything after Tuesday's profit. <laughs> I think I just found the title for today's episode. <laughs> that's um, that's a good point you make. Um, that really gave me the confidence to kind of pull the trigger and just jump right in. You know, my wife makes money, and she she's been doing what she does for a while, but she's just really taken this as a very professional business in the last year when you're making that little and you're getting by on it and my wife pretty much knows about what she's going to make every week it's not hard to d dive in you know mm -hmm. when, when you, you've already when you've gotten so used to living on on so little but then again we do so much for ourselves but we're uh we're pretty self-sufficient so there's a lot of things that we don't really dump a lot of money into. Like I don't really have a heating bill. I burn with wood. And Did you cut wood on your own property? Or no, I have logs delivered. I get okay. I get whole length logs. Sixteen footers? Uh fourteen. Okay. Yep. 
So you cut, split, stack, rinse, and repeat? Pretty much, yeah, all, all summer long usually. But, but you know, it, I can do that. I'm heating my shop right now in my house with the wood. All that wood, fuel, oil, and chainsaws, fuel, and splitter, a couple cases of beer. <laughs> it doesn't even equal the, tank, the cost of a tank of fuel oil. Right. You guys so have furnace oil there in that yeah, area? Yeah, we have, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we have a forced air furnace in the basement that we hardly ever run. Yeah, there you can just hear the dollars going up the chimney when you're using that stuff. I, I've been there, done that. So, yeah, but you know, you, you get you get so used to living on so little and then doing so many things yourself. Well, when the right opportunity came up for me to kind of pull the trigger on my business, I mean, I, I knew that if I didn't, it it might not ever happen. And my wife knew that too. She goes, "I don't know why you haven't started yet." So. I gave my notice in June of 2020, and uh, I filed my LLC first thing in the morning on July 1st. Nice. So you've been over two and a half years now. Yep. Ah, man, that's awesome. How? So, what'd you do? How'd you get started? What? I mean, you said you spent some time working, you know, getting your shop situated and that sort of thing. But I'm guessing you already had a fair bit of gear, did you? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, man, that's a long story. But, um, you know, I'd been trying to build the clientele list a little bit. I'd been kind of gearing more towards other guys with small businesses. I love landscapers, man. They break everything. <laughs> yeah, I know about that. So yep. That was actually the money that I used to file my LLC and all the rest of the crap that goes with it that the state thinks they're entitled to. Uh, was I started with a landscaping trailer on a weekend. Nice. <clears throat> so I started just looking for other small businesses, real small businesses, you know, guys doing plowing and landscaping. Uh, I sent out some cards to some bigger businesses. I haven't really heard from them. There's a couple other people that I'd worked for when I was still doing it as a side gig. I, you know, I caught up with them, sent them a couple cards in the mail, said, hey, I'm on my own full time now. Um, I'm an LLC. I'm fully mobile. Uh, we, we were just wrapping up this shop. My dad and I started building the shop in 2018, and uh, I had to hire a crew to come in and help me finish it. And, uh, between like March, February of 2020. Okay. Right before everything got shut down here. Right. Yeah, well, you really, guys got hit hard, didn't you? I, yeah, I yeah got hit hard by a lot of idiots in government. Yeah, we did too. Yeah, I know. So, you know, I, I really got lucky coming out of the gate because, sure, I put in a lot of work, but it wasn't enough. I just happened to have a few connections that put me out there, and it, it really just helped me take off. And, you know, you meet other craftsmen and other builders and, and, and business owners. They come up with some wacky shit that they want me to build, and I'm like, yeah, I can build that. I never would have thought of it, but sure, let's do it. And uh, oh, I got myself into some trouble with a oh a bunch of piers in a lake that were rotten. My God, that was a nightmare. We wasn't much we could do, but we 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 supported them. Spent the better part of a week underneath the dock, dragging around I beams. Me and a buddy of mine. So that that paid good, but it was a that was a tough job. Did you did you make money on it? 
I did, and a lot of it I reinvested. I mean, I, I did give myself a pretty hefty paycheck out of it. Sure. But at that point, I was still kind of reinvesting everything I made. Yeah. I guess just for the sake of transparency, we took full advantage of the COVID crap. We got our mortgage deferred, so I wasn't paying mortgage or interest on it for like a year. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know what it was, 14 months maybe even. So that saved us a lot of money. All that money they were throwing out in stimulus around here. I just reinvested into the welding business. I, wish I, bought, I bought equipment. I bought expensive equipment, name brand shit, stuff that like it, it just makes me money every time I run it. If the government's giving away some of our stolen tax dollars, you're yep. wrong not to take them. I, as long as you know, if you can get it, no strings attached, absolutely take it. And we did too, and it helped. It helps, you know. So and yeah, the right was perfect. Yeah, you know, getting the mortgage deferred for a year and. Getting all that stimulus stimulus money because we got one kid, so they sent quite a bit. We we bought them all sorts of new uh, homeschool curriculum with it. Um, I invested a lot of it into my business. Bought some some good equipment, but um, I, I I was able to get in, you know, make a contact with some people that are a little more my age and they know my business a little bit better, and they've helped me grow. They did all my uh, T-shirts and business cards, and they've done a wonderful job. Uh, girl that owns it, she went through and redid my my business Facebook and my Google page for, nice. my, for my business. I probably get 60% of my business from my Google page, the my Google ad. Really? I, I've never used it. I mean, but I, <laughs> I haven't needed to, but I've heard such good things about it. That's awesome. Yeah, especially my, like, you know, people I've never heard from before, people that I don't know that didn't get referred to me, they almost always say they found me on Google. Oh, I just went to the old interweb there and typed in welder. And you came up. So you're doing something right. There's not a lot of us in the area. I am, like I said, this is all worked out about as good as it could. There's not a lot of competition. I'm going to ask you something. You may may or may not remember it. Most entrepreneurs do, but... Do you remember the worst day in business? Did you ever have one of them just absolutely horrible where you thought either everything went wrong or you were in over your head or you're ready to give up? Did you ever have a bad day like that? A couple stand out. Yeah, absolutely. Darren? Sure. That uh, job I was telling you about with the docs. I felt like once we got into that, I felt like I was in over my head. I, I stood there looking at that. I brought one of my buddies with me. He's one of the one of the best friggin' welders there ever was, and he's a hard friggin' worker. But my God, they ever it was cold. It was heavy, heavy steel, dangerous work. We're either standing on the ice or standing in the mud. We had to go in in waders and and drop some beams in, uh, down to the the lake floor, and then weld them in underneath the dock while I'm standing in the water or. A couple of times I just hung over the side of the dock. It was a friggin' nightmare. A Did couple of times I almost called the owner. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help you anymore. But we we pulled through and we, we fulfilled. You know, we talked about it ahead of time. There's only so much that a guy like me can do for a job that big. Mm-hmm. I said, it's uh, we're putting a band-aid on a bullet hole, basically. Right. And he understood that because he was a surgeon. <laughs> So that's probably one of the biggest. Um, back in June, I did a pretty large staircase and cable railing job at a 
at a new home that was built here on the other side of the river. It was a great job. I really enjoyed doing it, but I did not set aside uh, a helper. Oh, yeah. And that got frustrating real quick because just, you know, I'm freaking five feet tall. There's only so much heavy steel I can sling over my head in a day in somebody's home that's, you know, a quarter million dollar house. Right. That got frustrating real quick when I, I realized, uh, not that I was in over my head on the work. I just, I don't have any employees. And it, it's been difficult trying to get people to work for cash. Yes, it is. <laughs> but you, I always like to hear those stories because I've, I've been there. I felt them. <clears throat> and there's a lot of people out there who might think, well, you know, I'd like to start my own business. But you're going to have one of them terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days, you know? You know what I constantly kick myself in the ass for? And I, I was given the advice ahead of time, so it's all my fault. Um, I had a buddy of mine that I buy the logs from. He helped me move some material one morning. I said, well, on the way back, I'll buy a lunch for, you know, for your time. We're sitting there at the bar having a cheeseburger and a beer. And uh, my phone rings. He goes, answer your phone. He goes, don't worry about me. Answer your phone. And I, that, that stuck in my head because he's, I look at him as successful. He, he does uh, landscaping and tree work and I know he does well. I really beat myself up when my phone rings and like they might leave me a message. It might not if I don't get to it. And uh, then I find out that they called around and found somebody else. <laughs> so it's, that's one thing I struggle with constantly, especially being, you know, on my own. And sometimes I'm under a welding helmet. I got gloves on. I got a respirator. It's tough to get my phone every time. And I'm, I know it's, it's cost me business. I've had a couple jobs where it must have just been meant to be because they called every damn welder <laughs> in, in 50 mile radius. And uh, nobody answered. And I was the first to call back. Yes, sir. So that's definitely some advice I would I would like to pass off to other people in small business. Answer your damn phone. <laughs> yep. I get it. That's crazy. How so how are things now? Uh, business wise? Yeah, like I know you said it's a little lull right now, but do you feel like you've gotten into the groove and you you know what it takes at least to keep going and be successful? Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I was talking with one of my uh, business mentors here about a week ago, and I said I wanted to kind of write a business plan and look about you know growing a little bit because I feel like I've gotten past the point where I'm questioning, can I do this and will this work? That's a good sign. It is because I, I cannot go work for somebody ever again. <clears throat> it ruins you, doesn't it, being an entrepreneur? I, I, I don't know if I could ever go back to working under someone. Yeah, I, I do subcontract work, but that's not, you know, it's not the same as having a manager or, an, or, a, or a job foreman or whatever. You know, I'll just show up and they'll, they'll say, okay, there's a, my guy with a forklift. He'll put the steel anywhere you want. Let me know when you're done. Give me a bill. Nice. So for the most part, I work pretty independently. But yeah, I've, <clears throat> I don't stress the, uh, the slow days anymore and. For the most part, I've always got something to do. There's always a lot of guys kind of in my back pocket who say, hey, when you get slow, give me a call. But that's that's something I found making good relationships with people and, and mm -hmm. other small businesses, guys that just 
they run dump trucks for themselves. You know, they haul material for all their construction companies, but they're independent. I get a bunch of them. And they say, Hey, when you're slow, call me. I need, you know, cheap metal work done on the truck, or I need, you know, a new bumper on the truck or the hinges are breaking off. You know, I got a guy that reached out the other day. Uh, I repaired his, his outdoor wood boiler. And uh, he said in the springtime, I'm, I'm going to tear this thing apart and I'd like to put a brand new firebox in it. So there's always stuff kind of coming down the pipeline. There's, there's almost always a guy or two that I can call and say, hey, remember when you said uh, give you a call when I'm slow? Well, I got a couple dead days this week if you want to work on something. Nice. And that that's the type of stuff that isn't urgent for them, but it's important. If it doesn't ever get done, eventually it's going to become a bigger deal, right? Yep. You know, I got a full blacksmith shop here too. I have a knife making and blacksmith shop here. So really? Yeah. I should probably be using it more, but <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there, there's no such thing as being completely dead in the water. Right. You know, if, if I get to a week and I haven't, and I haven't really put in any work on the books, well, I'd come out here and I'll make, I don't know, a dozen fire pokers and put them up for sale. I'll make some artistic stuff. Um, you know, I find in the slow time I send out, I've got some postcards made with all my business information on it and I'll send them out to some, you know, places I've been meaning to stop in and say hi. And, you know, once in a while I'll, uh, hop in the truck or even steal my wife's car and go drive around, just stop in places, meet people, shake their hand. I get a lot of business from bars and restaurants. You know, if I'm sitting there having a beer or something for lunch, handing out some you know, cards or postcards or whatever. They're like, oh, you're a welder. The the sink's broken out back. We it's stainless steel. Can you weld that? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we we're uh we went out to a movie and dinner a couple weeks ago and we knew the family that owns a place. He came out and handed me a bag full of broken stainless parts he needed welded. So we ate, finished our dinner, paid our bill, and the next morning I opened up the shop and welded their stuff and brought it back to them. Isn't that great? There's always work to be found. That's and I think that's really the that's the trick to it, you know. Everywhere I go, I get people, they look at me like panicked, like, you guys are so hard to find. <laughs> yeah. I think to myself, no, we're not. We're, we're all over the place. You can Google, you know, a mobile welder, and there's going to be at least four of them pop up. I'm going to be one of them. I don't know why people struggle so hard to find us. But there's there's always somebody looking for us. Always somebody that's got these weird projects you never even think of, like the getting into the bar and restaurant industries. I never really thought I'd be doing stuff like that, but everywhere I go, there's, you know, there's 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 bartenders and, and restaurant owners that they need some kind of food grade stainless done. And not everybody can weld stainless, right? I Takes mean, a little finesse, especially, yeah. especially the thin stainless. That can be pretty difficult. You know, when you get into the restaurant equipment, they're often covered in, you know, grease, canola oil. <laughs> yeah. They might be in a place where you can't clap a heat heat sink to them. And if the stainless gets too hot, it kind of, it oxidizes, it kind of crystallizes. And you're just going to make a big mess of their equipment. So you got to, you got to have the experience. You know, you might only be welding a small crack or something. It might look simple, but you got to have the experience to know not to destroy that piece of equipment. I got one question that fits in right here. We got about 10 questions I've got saved so far from people in the audience, but I wanted to ask you this one from Modern Frontier. Yep. said, networking is key. Uh, what are your 
what is your favorite way or ways to network? <clears throat> uh, ways. Um, so the place uh, that I buy my, my, my company T-shirts and my business cards and whatnot from, they do a lot of networking events. We're actually going to one uh, in two weeks, February 8th. Okay. Find a place that does design work. That's, that's a, a, an individual owns a place, you know, a small business. If they're going to do your, you know, whatever, your hats, your logo, your business cards, good chance they're doing it for dozens of other companies. Um, so they, they, they'll put you out there a lot for sure. Um, whatever your, whatever you think your niche is, if you drive by a place, just stop in, hand up a card. Most people are pretty accepting to it. You know, I've only had like two people pretty much look at me and say, nah, I don't need that. <laughs> you know, out of, I don't know how many hundreds of people I've tried to, you know, meet and shake their hand in the last couple of years. Um, networking though, that one's really key, you know. Meet people in person. Meet people that are going to put your name out there for you. You know, do a good job. Be be decent to people. Welders get kind of a bad rap for being kind of a grouchy bunch, but, <laughs> you know, you got to show up. You got to have a little bit of charm, a little bit of character. It's okay to laugh with your customers. Not but as bad as bricklayers or masons anyway. Yeah. I really do get a lot of business from the Google My Business um, profile. And then if you want, you know, you can pay money and have it uh, come up higher in search engines. I get a little bit of business from Facebook. Not a lot. Most of mine's from either Google or word of mouth or, you know, doing business with other businesses has definitely been key. That's that's probably the top networking that that I've seen. That's cool. That It's funny you say that because that is exactly the very first business or person in my town who treated me as a real business was the promotional company, uh, Sharon, it's time promotion here in town. Yep. She's the first one that shared my stuff online. She hired me to do stuff and she pushed my business out there and it really helps. So yeah, that's cool. I never, I never thought about it, but you're right. Cause they're, they're in it with all kinds of people, right? Yeah. They've got all the local businesses coming to them and even some really big, you know, multi-million dollar businesses. You know, they got everything from, you know, the young lady that cleans houses to get through college to, you know, the multi-million dollar construction business that has, you know, two dozen pieces of equipment and, and a crew of, you know, 50 people. So, yeah, that's that's really been, been beneficial to me. Do you want to, uh, I got nine questions here so far. Do you want to work our way through them and see how we do? Hey, I got nothing else to do tonight. Nice. So, uh, first one's from Know Your Joe says where does someone with zero experience go to learn how to weld okay i figured this was common i made a few notes <laughs> good man he's listening to you i'm assuming he likes podcasts right mm. i've met some people that do only youtube on podcasts but there's a podcast there's a couple of them one's called arc junkies okay um so a gentleman by the name of jason becker he's out of florida he's a cwi and he's an iron worker and he, he has a very educational show. Um, puts out a couple shows a week. It's called the Arc Junkies Podcast. 
I listen to it all the time. Man, I've been doing this for 21 years. I learned something from damn near everyone because he gets guys to come in with new technologies, new equipment, stuff that didn't exist 10 years ago when I was working in manufacturing. There's another one. It's called uh, Welding Business Owners. It's a podcast. It's kind of dull. It's kind of boring, but they do bring in some successful people and just kind of like you and I are doing, just talk about, you know, where we came from, where we started. Um, and then there's uh, Weld.com on YouTube that has some really great instructional videos. And they're pretty pretty straightforward that, uh, you know, even a crazy Canuck could learn from? Oh, absolutely. Great welding okay. Canada. <laughs> yeah, they got to deal with the cold, you know? Uh, what do we got next? Uh, here we go. Know Your Joe says... Uh, what is the best type of equipment to get starting out? And well, that, oh, go ahead. Sorry, man. What you say? Uh, there's another one with one step that says what type of welder uh, should newbies start out with. So we might be able to kind of do both those together there. Well, I am completely biased in that. Um, I'm going to say an engine-driven welder. I've got one in the back of my truck. It produces its own welding power, so you can do construction-style welding all the way down to sheet metal. Um, it's got a 240-volt plug on it. Okay. If you want to buy a, a couple other smaller machines, a small MIG, a small TIG, uh, you can run them off the, off the generator. It will produce at least 10,000 watts of electricity, so when the power goes out, I can power my house with my welder. It runs on gas. Gas is expensive, but... It's, they're so versatile. They're, they're more than just a stick welder. A lot, a lot of guys think they're just stick welders, but you know you can you can run all sorts of other machines off them to where you can run you know AC TIG and weld aluminum, or you can run a spool gun and weld you know heavy aluminum like tractor trailer frames that are aluminum. Oh, okay. You got you got your uh, ten thousand watts generator for backup power. You got regular one ten power for running electric uh, extension cords, drills, lights. The whole nine. You can run it all at the same time. You can run stick leads. You can run a suitcase welder off it. You can run a small MIG, a small TIG. And it's completely po uh, mobile, portable. And what uh, – I remember selling them at the UFA, the farm store. I can't mm. – what, what do they What do they start at for price? Uh, which ones? Uh, like the, the truck – you're talking about a truck welder or uh, an engine-driven welder? Um, Geez. A couple years ago, you probably get something for $3,000 new. Okay. There's used ones all over the place, man. If I don't know where your your folks asking these questions are from, but marketplace is just saturated with used welders. And if you're any good with mechanic work, you know, get something with a couple thousand hours on it and just give it a tune up. Mm. It's basically you know, right? a glorified generator, right? Yeah, you can get them now with built-in air compressors. Um, that's kind of what I'm, you know, leaning towards here in the future, but. Get a used one, or if you want to get a new one, name brand, I'd go with like a Hobart. They're they're a little less expensive. It's basically a Miller, just with no perks. Okay. So they're, they're owned by Miller. But the most common is going to be like the small Miller Bobcat, the 225, and then the uh, the Lincoln Ranger. Those are going to be the most common uh, home and farm machines. And, man, they're just they're so versatile. You can do anything with them. And they're, you're portable. You put them in the back of a truck, drive around with them. I had mine on a trailer for a couple of years. Yes, sir. No problem with being out in the elements, then. No, you can buy a cover for them. You can put a tarp over them. You could probably get a grill cover, you know, from Walmart or whatever. And not that I would spend money at Walmart, but <laughs> you 
yeah, you can cover them up, but for the most part, they're meant to live outside. More than a generator would be even, right? Yeah, well, they're they're pretty well enclosed with a sheet metal. Um, some of them you can even get or you can make yourself uh, an, an additional top cover. So they're like when it rains or snows, there's nothing getting down the vents and rusting the muffler, getting into the generator. They're very weather resistant. I mine's covered up maybe twenty percent of the year. Now, the, of course, the prepper in me is the mind's thinking because I love things you know that have multiple uses. Exactly. So it's pretty simple, like you said, to power your house with it, or at least run run some extension cords off it. We yes, <clears throat> um, and it does. Like I said, it has a two forty um, plug. I don't know if you can. I'm not much of an electrician. I don't know if you can make a <clears throat> two forty plug with like a multi headed outlet or something, but. My generator has one. I think yeah. you could. I, I don't want to, I hate giving bad electrical advice, but yeah, yeah I know you could. I, we hired an electrician to come in and put um, like a Z switch in our panel. So you shut off the main, you turn on the generator box, and I've got this 10 foot cord that's, I don't know, two inches in diameter. And it plugs into the face of my welder. I back up to the house. I plug into the generator box. I start the welder. I go downstairs in the basement and I flip my panel on. Powers my whole house and my shop that I'm sitting in right now. That's incredible. Yeah. And you know, like uh, if, if you're doing work, I live in an agricultural area. There's always something broke down somewhere or you want to build a whatever. You want to build a shed or a chicken coop and you, there's no power. Either drive there or put that thing on a small trailer. I've hauled mine around in a little trailer in a four-wheeler to fix stuff or build stuff. You can just run electric. If you just want to run a circ saw for a couple hours. Yes, sir. So you it's, I mean, it's big, but it's small enough. You can throw it on a trailer and haul it around with a quad that are a four wheeler, right? Mine is, I mean, some of them get so frigging big that if you don't have a one ton with, you know, additional leaf spring in it, you're not going to use it. Yeah. The little homeowners, uh, the smaller machines that I would recommend for homeowners and farmers, you can move them. Okay. Um, know your Joe wants to know how much uh, how much investment is required to get started in welding. A lot. Yeah. Um, I <clears throat> am fortunate that my dad liked to buy stuff every every now and again when he'd find a good deal and kind of drop it off. I would also invest a lot of my money over the years when I was younger, just buying tools, welders, extra supplies. It's a very expensive business to be in, um, especially now the way things are going. You know, the welder, I, I've had my eye on a new gas-driven welder that at one point it was like fourteen, fifteen thousand $15,000 for the base model. You can get a little something fancier for about eighteen. Yeah. Now they're up to about 26000 just in a year. Oh, wow. Like everything. Uh, another, another issue I'm struggling with, consumable costs. You know, a year ago, year and a half ago, I was paying anywhere from two hundred five to two fifty five a pound for welding rod. Now, keep okay. mind, I carry about a hundred pounds of it in my truck, and then I got multiple spools of it here in the shop. It's now up to six dollars a pound almost. Wow! So it's more than doubled. More so, figure on average, the stuff that I was buying was right around two fifty to two eighty a pound, and now I'm up to like. I think they were at like 555 and 580 a pound. So if now I know you you, you know you, you mentioned you're pretty partial to the the motor driven gas driven welders, 
But if a person, say say me, for instance, I just, I wanted to make a little projects in the backyard or in my shop. And, you know, I had 220 in the shop because I did buy a 110 stick welder one time and mm-hmm. it, it was okay. You know, I, I was able to do a little bit with it. What would, where, what would be um, something that your average handyman or homeowner could buy that could get them started? Well, in my opinion, there's, there's tons of used welders on like Craigslist marketplace, Facebook marketplace. I mean, I, if somebody gave me a budget, I could probably point them in a better direction. The multi-process welders have really come a long way. So they're small. They're like, I don't know, the size of a suitcase. Okay. They weigh 50, 60 pounds at most. And you can run MIG wire on them. You could do TIG. Some of them you can only do DC TIG, which is going to be steel and stainless and cast. Some of them, if you want to spend the money, you can run AC TIG and weld aluminum and magnesium. Um, I think for the like the home hobbyist and even like a guy like you that's probably going to need to fix something almost every week, I would definitely look into those multi-process welders. Um, all, all the big companies are making them now. All the kind of not-so-name brand companies, you know, check out um, – uh, oh, what are the green ones now? I'm drawing a blank. I know Miller has a really nice one. Okay. Um, my brother-in-law, I'm going to, while you're looking it up here, I'm just going to mention, because my brother-in-law just come back from the city. Uh, him and his dad just picked up a 225 Bobcat. Sitting nice. mounted on a trailer, pull around with the Ranger. That's impressive. They'd be able to pull that. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, okay. He's got a question in there too. I will, uh, I'll, I'll bring that up in a minute. We'll save that. Uh, Esob looks like they got some nice multi-process welders. I welded a lot of Esobs when I was younger. Never had a problem with them. Everlast. That's what Everlast. Okay. I like buy one of those. I think I'm going to be buying one of them next. Uh, I compared to the big name brands like Miller and Lincoln, they're pretty reasonably priced for what they do. Okay. I was definitely for the, for the home guy and the small handyman business. Check out the multi-process welders. Do you know kind of what ballpark they start at for price? So I'm looking at this ESOB one right here. I'm sorry. It's not the ESOB. It's the Everlast. Okay. It is it's a 255, which is a little bit bigger than I would buy. Okay. Um, although it would be a nice machine to have. It is on sale right now for $2,099. or $2,099. Okay. So you're looking at... You're not going to get nothing less than sixteen hundred bucks, okay? Unless you go with like a small MIG. So you're, yeah, you're probably looking at a minimum sixteen hundred, uh, all the way up to you go to five thousand. Okay, that's cool. That that's fair. I mean, if you're so you know squarely in that two thousand dollar range, so it's not it's not something for a guy just starting out, but it's within the range of hey you know what, I'd like to do some of my own repair work as opposed to hiring the local mobile welder to do some of my repair work, you know, so that I can do it half as good and take four times as long. So For sure. And let me warn you, once uh, a couple of guys know you got a welder, you're going to have a side business real quick. It's like owning a truck and a trailer, right? Everybody calls you all of a sudden. Yep. I tell I tell everybody I can't drive a trailer and they don't bug me. Although they do come over to, buy, to, to borrow the trailer. Sure. You just, just tell them the tires are flat. They're, they're, you know. uh, yeah. My, my brother-in-law says that Mr. Toolman breaks a lot of stuff and he's not wrong. My wife says it needs to be Tim proof. So uh, how long does it take to get relatively proficient with welding? Oh man. 
I know that's a, a great big it depends, but. Yeah, that's a big it depends. I mean, what do you, it's going to vary with the process. If you're just going to run MIG on sheet metal or even some, you know, relatively heavy steel. I'm sure you've run a beat of caulk before, right, Tim? Oh, oh yeah. You can, run a beat of you can run a beat of caulk, you can run a MIG welder. I guess it depends on how much grinding you want to do. <laughs> but no, if so say I came to your shop and I said, hey, I'm going to pay you to teach me to bring me up to the bare minimum proficiency. Yep. And, and I know it depends on how big of a bonehead I am or am, I'm mm -hmm. not, but what, or could, could you do that in a day or would it take a week or what do you think? Um, a day per process I could, I could do. I can't, okay. I can't promise you're going to be able to pass a certification test, but a, a day on each process, like say three days. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I, I could have you doing a lot more than the average mechanic, you know? That's cool. I like mm -hmm. that's good. That's a perfect answer, man. That's what I was wondering because, you know, it. I'm 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 the type of guy that gets interested in everything and then moves on. So I yeah. love to have a base level pro proficiency in a lot of things. So that's cool. That's good to know. Uh, know your Joe says what's an oh no this one's Clark Clark Deacon. Uh, couldn't you pay people? Oh, this was about your employees when or pay, people didn't want to pay cash, but he wanted to know if you could pay people as casual workers and then leave them to submit their own taxes. Not quite sure what he's asking. Is he talking like help under the table? Uh, well, I think, I think what he's, I think paying them as a contractor so that you can claim it. But the problem with that again is it's hard to get somebody because then you got to pay more, right? That gets into some worms because I mean you you may be required to to hold uh, workers' compensation insurance. I wouldn't mess with any of that. If I get a helper, I pay him cash. Buy them lunch, and that's it. You were never here. Yep, I do the same thing. I always feed them because there's a lot of guys that don't do that, and it's worth it's it's worth a lot because they'll remember that. I, I and I I usually when it's a young kid or somebody if they if they show up and they do a damn good job, I usually pay them just a hair more than I said I was going to. Yeah, that, that goes a long way. It's nice even having a second guy on a job site that if something brave, I break my last drill bit or I break my last grinding wheel. <clears throat> Give them some cash or the company card and send them down to Home Depot to get what I need. Yep. You know, I've had to do that a couple times recently. Or like, how about just running to go get shit? Because yeah. how much time do you waste in the run of a day walking from here to there to go get something, right? Yeah. Get out from underneath the... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one step closer says, uh, oh, this was about answering services. Do they still have answering services? And that would help guys like you quite a bit is what he was saying. You ever look into yeah. yeah. My wife and I were talking about that the other day. She uh, asked if we need to. We don't have a landline here anymore. I cut it right out of the house. Okay. Uh, she asked if we should probably put in a landline, but then I'd have to add that number to all my. Yep. But then I, I believe Google has a, a messaging service too. But um, it may help. Um, it's It's something that my wife and I have recently talked about. I haven't tried it yet, so I don't really have an answer to that, but it's definitely a good suggestion. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. Just, I was just curious because I, uh, I haven't really, we've so, thought about it, but yeah. You know, when I'm making notes of that. No, it's all right. I think it's, I think Google does have a system to do that. Okay. The one problem I'm having is people want to talk to somebody right there. Yeah. So I mean, when you, if you call me, you call that number, it's in my email. It's going to say, hi, this is Dan with d Welding. 
leave me a message. If this is an emergency, please send me a text message. Sometimes they do, most of the time they don't. Most of the time they just move down the list on Google and call the next guy. And then occasionally they'll make the rounds where everybody's busy and they'll get right back to me. My phone company, actually, I really like this because uh, if I miss a call, they send it to me, the the voicemail in an audio file to my text message. Oh, yeah. Hey, okay, cool. I didn't know. I love it because then it's not just a little red notification. It's a, it's a missed text message and I'm mm-hmm. right there and listen to it, you know, which is helpful. Yeah, yeah we get that too. Uh, what do we got next for you here? Um, I'm not willing to leave you any kind of message or give you a minute to get back to them, you know? I That's, well, that's the way I always joke about farmers around here, you know? They leave everything to the last minute. I, If a farmer could do, you know, a little bit of routine maintenance in the wintertime and not leave it until, like, harvest, wouldn't it be something? But anyway, yeah. that's just me. Yeah, I'm pretty much everything but the accountant. I have, a, I have my own CPA. Okay. So it's not like I'm sitting at a desk all day waiting for calls to come in, handling customers and emails. I'm I'm in the field. I'm could be working. I could have my helmet down. I could be driving to get supplies. Be driving to a job site. I could be standing on my head in the mud. I and wish people would just leave my damn message. I know. I wonder. I don't know. It might be worth looking into just yeah, to try to see. You know, test it for three months and see. You know, did did, did your um you know calls per job or like you know um contacts per paying job go up or whatever right yeah you know what's frustrating i get a i get a report every month for my google analytics i'll get i get hundreds of views on my page a month i get an average of eight to ten calls from that page which still often that turns into pretty good business but like how how are hundreds of people looking at this profile but only like 10% of them are interacting. I, I'm i not sure. All I can say is on my WordPress site, I get roughly the same kind of thing. And I think there's a lot of um, spam and un, unsolicited traffic and that kind of stuff that goes oh. through there. But yeah. you know what, man, if you're getting eight or 10 good contacts a month, fuck. And even That's if that one, right. So where else do they come from? Right. That's cool. Uh, Chris says, this was more of a statement, but if you wanted to maybe talk about it a little, um, when you were saying you get your knife and your uh, blacksmithing said mm-hmm. sometimes, cause Chris does a lot of this exact same stuff. He's a body worker and a metal yeah. worker and a, uh, blacksmith or, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the technical term for what he does is, but he does everything. So, uh, he says you could pivot and make products to help fill in the gaps. Do you ever think about doing something like that? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I should do it more. I'm completely guilty of you know, having a couple slow days and like I did today, I rearranged my whole damn shop. I actually, I almost got into a project and I realized what time it was. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah, I do. I'll do some blacksmithing or some, some artistic things and maybe <clears throat> put them up for sale on Facebook or that's another one of those things. There's always somebody it's like, Hey, when you get some downtime, can you make my mom a set of those fireplace tools? Right. So yeah. There's always stuff to do. I was cursed with a mind that doesn't shut up. So I really got to dig through all the nonsense in my head to prioritize. Do I want to make something and sell it? Or do I want to go paint my chicken coop? You know, that's the mindset of an entrepreneur, buddy, that I, I yeah. almost successful ones and whatever, you know, it is what it is. You always 
What's that? Sorry. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, it is. I'll take it. I'll take it over the alternative. Let's put it that way, you know? So you're talking about, uh, we should slide back a minute because we talked about this before we started, but you've got a shop that is tin all the way around, right? You got metal all the way around. And so you had some issues with getting data and phone in there as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a complete dead zone. So it's uh, about a 900 square, it's about 865 square feet, I think. Okay. It's uh, it's all metal on the outside, and there's two inches of foam insulation on my walls, and there's four inches on my ceiling. You get nothing through here, nothing. So uh, that was starting to, that was getting really frustrating because, you know, I have to leave my phone outside the door, so if somebody calls, at least if I can't get to it, they have the opportunity to leave a message. Sure. So I looked into it and looked into it and. Got into a lot of stuff I wasn't familiar with and didn't really understand, but you know, I did a little bit of research and figured it out, asked a lot of questions, and um, I came up with this uh, wireless bridge that I showed you there earlier. What's it called? Um, it's called a wireless bridge. Okay. Do you remember? I I know you had the brand earlier. There it is. U E E Y E or V I I? Yes. Okay. I think it's U V. U V. Okay. That makes sense. Sure. So, and uh, it's basically uh, it's a two-piece unit. It's not real expensive at all. I don't, with all the extra Ethernet cable I bought and a tube of caulk to seal up the holes I drilled, I don't think I had 275 bucks in it, maybe 300 Man, one missed job. One job that you didn't miss because of that. It's paid for it. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, there's a, a transmitter and a receiver. So the transmitter is is linked by ethernet cable to my home internet. Okay. I mean, I ran the ethernet cable through the wall, down the basement, across the studs and back out. Um, put the transmitter out on the pole, the porch. They do have to face each other, but they can go quite a distance. You said up to a mile perhaps, or, or is that they, what they claim? They claim up to a mile. I don't, sure. take my, don't take my word on that one. I, I'm running mine 150 feet and it works flawlessly. Okay. We put the receiver on the outside of the garage so that it's facing the transmitter at the house. It's completely wireless. There's nothing nothing in between it. Popped a hole in the garage, ran the power cable and the Ethernet cable in, and plugged them into the back of a, a second router, and I, I've got my own network in here now. Nice. I'm thinking out loud here. If my brother-in-law Barrett's still listening, that the reason I had you ask, ask you about that is he has the exact same problem in his mm -hmm. mechanics bay is it's metal and he can barely get a signal so that might be something to look into and if you uh, there's some really good videos on youtube about it okay these guys that have <clears throat> clearly more money than they know what to do with they've got like tennis courts and, and pavilions and whatnot on their property so they'll run one of these from their home internet out to a to another outbuilding and then they'll plug in an extender on the outside of the building and when his wife or whatever's down the tennis court, she's got service. So you, yeah. can, you can keep repeating it. So you can piggyback off of one or whatever. Yep. Oh. And like I was telling you earlier, it's I might end up getting a DVR for my uh, uh, my security camera. We don't really have a lot of issues with crime stuff out here. I mean, we all pretty much know each other. If something gets broken into or stolen, it's not from somebody who lives on the hill, but... <laughs> At the very least, it'd be cool to see the black bears walk by in the summertime because that's what most of the cameras get around here. 
but it's it's good. I don't know. It gives you peace of mind too to be able to check it and and just yeah. know like if you're in there working, you want to look up at the the monitor. Oh, okay, yeah, that somebody shouldn't be here, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So this back to this one a little bit. He said we picked up the 225 Bobcat, mounted it on our trailer, pull around with the Ranger. What's a good general rod to use? Uh, any chance he can give me some context? If he is still, he should be in. I'm sure he's still listening to me as I'll get him to, to throw it in. But uh, it sounds like I think he's building a little utility trailer for his uh, Bobcat. Or not little, of course, for the Bobcat. But I'm going to say, in general, I always have 7018 with me. Okay. And 332nd diameter and 8th inch diameter. They're the most versatile rods, in my opinion. Um, if you're doing kind of like farm equipment or you know trailers and whatnot where you're not going to be able to get things super clean uh there's a rod called 6011 it's actually pretty cheap to get it all the tractor supplies uh that's it's it's good for um welding on stuff that's never going to be like new metal okay they run completely different those two rods but they're not hard to pick up at all okay well i always have those two rods with me so why, um, and maybe this is a stupid question I don't know the answer to, but the difference between three thirty seconds and eighth inch, is that just the size of the bead you're going to get? It's the, first of all, it's the difference of the diameter of the wire. So you got the wire and then it's coated in flux. Okay. I like the smaller stuff because you can make a much cleaner appearance, excuse me, appearance. <clears throat> you start getting some real heavy rods, like some 532 and up. And, you, and if you got to run it uphill, you know, it works, but, man, I can just, I can make a way prettier looking weld with the smaller stuff. Okay. It's just, I find it easier to control, easier to make it look good aesthetically. And, you know, you get a customer, especially a customer with a, got a lot of money. He wants shit to look good. Sure. I was over at my local machine shop a little while ago and they had a young fella in there. He'd only been there a month or two mm -hmm. and they were busting his balls because his welds were not pretty. And I just, it's just funny to be there for a guy who doesn't, you know, work in that industry, but that's just that important to him. I get it, you know, because uh, the guy I was talking to that owns a business, he's like, listen, every weld that leaves this shop has my name on it. So it yeah. needs to look like I did it. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they're giving him some good uh, leadership and not just busting his ass and sending him home at the end of the day because I, I dealt with that too when I was younger. There's always somebody there standing over my shoulder to laugh at me or say, that looks like shit or that ain't going to hold. But it was a while before anybody showed up to say, hey, this is what's going wrong. It's not very encouraging, is it? No, it's very unprofessional. It's kind of a shitty thing to do. Uh, Barrett also said he'd love to learn how to aluminum weld. So I thought we'd turn that into a question too. What uh, what do you need to weld aluminum? Because I imagine you could burn through it pretty easy, can you? Yeah. Is he the one that has the bobcat? Yeah, that's him. Um, he can get <clears throat> he can get some aluminum stick rod. Most of them bobcats have AC on them. Um, and what's AC? Sorry, you mean uh, AC current? Oh, okay. Oh, built it. Okay. So most of the time you weld aluminum on AC. If he has the Bobcat, he's got a lot of options. He can buy a smaller MIG that has a spool gun attachment. The spool gun runs aluminum wire. He has one. Okay, then just plug it right into the face. Okay. That way you're running a second machine specifically for aluminum. You can get 
an aluminum spool gun, and then you have to get the box. I can't think of what the box is called off the top of my head. That's okay. And you can just hook in the 25-foot-long spool gun right to the bobcat. You, you do have to have straight argon no matter what, unless you're stick welding it. I have personally never used aluminum stick rod because I have a, a MIG and a TIG for it. Okay. There's a company called uh, Rock Mount Research and Alloy. They make real high-end welding rods. If you'd like to learn, it's expensive, but you can get a hold of the sales rep pretty easy and get you know a couple pounds of that aluminum rod. They'll they'll talk you through it over the phone and tell you how to how to run it and what amperage to run. Um, but really, the the easiest way is to just get a second MIG machine that you can snap in a, a spool gun. Okay, that's cool. So the first bit you were talking about was with a stick welder, though, right? You can stick weld aluminum. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, more going to be for like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, what do you call them? Like the flow boys, the tractor trailers, the flatbeds. Yep. A lot of them are aluminum chassis. I wouldn't go stick welding any thin aluminum ever. You just okay. blow it apart. But it's good for like the heavy aluminum C channel that are on a lot of these truck chassis. Okay. That makes sense. Again, hey, hop on that on YouTube, weld.com on YouTube. There's a lot of great information on YouTube from the uh, good, reputable companies, not just, you know, the Yahoo's welding out there in the driveway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, RZ. He's over on Twitch. He's a fellow podcaster, too. Okay. He said, I have a, a Tombstone Lincoln 225. Good enough for mess. Is it good enough for messing around in the garage? I'm pretty sure I took my uh, DOT certification on one of those. So, yes. Okay. What can you do with one of those? Pretty much most of what the tombstone. Would... It's uh, it's basically a, a stick welder. It produces uh, constant current. Okay. And uh, you stick weld with it. A lot of a lot of home mechanics kind of guys. They have them. Versatile. Uh not really. I mean, you could probably do a scratch start TIG off it, but it's really just for stick welding. Okay. Um, know your Joe wants to know what is the typical billable hourly rate for welding or is it bid by the job? Both. Okay. <laughs> it depends, right? <laughs> um, so there's guys that I mostly bill by the hour. Okay. So if I'm doing service work, I have a minimum of two hours to show up on site. Okay. I'm billing $125 an hour. Okay. And I tell them that up up front. Most of the guys that are running, you know, $100,000 tractor trailers, they don't care. And uh, just you got to look at something and say, I always give a, a little bit of a, a leeway. I say, okay, I'm, I think I'm going to be here between three and five hours at this rate. And most of the time, the guys go, great. You know, if I come in right at two hours, I'll I basically bill them for my minimum, which is two hours. Sure. That's mobile. Uh, shop rate, you should build a little bit less. and you can, I do half-hour increments. So I'll get $80 an hour in my shop. I do a minimum of a half-hour. It's not even worth burning any of my consumables for less than you know 40 bucks. Right. Most of those jobs end up being kind of cash. And um, Where you're going to get into billing by the job, for example, I've been getting more and more requests for handrails. I bill handrails per linear foot of the cap. I'm going to guess you make better money doing that too, don't you? 
or do you? you no, know, you do. You can. Okay. Um, where you're not going to make good money and you really got to know the design first. Okay. So if you get into something that's real, real intricate, it's going to take up a ton of time, a ton of material. You might need to bump your bed up to 250, 275 a foot. Okay. That's linear foot, like basically the railing cap. Not every foot of material that goes into it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at $200 a foot to do like residential handrails, I'm doing pretty good. Because you got you got top rail, then you got bottom rail, and then probably three spindles per foot, right? Uh, every four inches is code here. Yeah. So three, three-ish per foot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And it, uh, yeah, Chris Dixon says that's right. Can't turn the lights on for less than half an hour. He's not wrong. Everything costs, right? Always, always got to ask ahead of time how they want the railings painted. If I got to send them out to a powder coater, well, you better add, you know, X amount more feet or a couple hundred dollars more to that bid. You know, Is there hmm? quite a bit of that work going on in your area with custom rail? Yeah. 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 Could a fuller, if you were in a big enough center, you could probably make a business out of just that, could you? Yeah. You know, I, it's tough to say that you're going to make a business out of something because I yeah. thought I do. And it, it morphs into something. I never thought I was going to do handrails. I didn't want to get into doing handrails. I'd done uh, catwalks and mezzanines and staircases as an employee with a group of people, you know, like with an engineer, a material handler, myself, and another welder. And just a general helper. At uh, when I got out on my own, I didn't really have any interest in doing it. But now I'm I'm getting the business and I'm doing it. It's funny how when you start your own business, you think you know where it's going to go, and it goes in a totally different direction, doesn't it? You know, another thing I got into almost by accident, just because a couple people I knew me, I fix aluminum re uh, wheels, car rims. You know, a lot of them are off uh, luxury cars, BMW, Le Lexus. You know, they'll hit a pothole with those low-profile tires, and it huh. cracks, it's a two-inch crack in the rim. So I got in with a bunch of uh, tire shops and mechanics and whatnot, and every time a customer comes in with a flat tire and they got a, a cracked rim, they call me up, I pick them up, I fix them. They look brand new when they're done. Probably cheaper than buying a replacement, too, and wait, faster. Wait, yeah. I do about 24-hour turnaround on those. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah, and then, yeah, I can I can't even imagine what one of those custom or one of them aluminum rims would cost. Some of them are upwards of a thousand dollars. Wow. But you know, I had a couple buddies that were mechanics, still are, I guess. And they just called me once in a while here and there. Hey, can you weld a rim? All of a sudden, their manager finds out. Word starts spreading. Now I'm getting calls all the time to do these rims. That's cool. Is it yeah, the little niche, right? You grab a niche and run with it. Yeah, that's. I guess that was a point I was trying to make there a couple minutes ago. You, you can say that you're going to get into one specific field or one niche or whatever. You have no idea where it's going to go. I have no idea. What, six months from now, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Just follow the money, right? Pretty much. Clark, uh, he's a fellow Canuck. He said, I have an issue with getting an arc to start on a new rod. What could cause that? The rod tends to stick to the material. Okay. Um, your amperage may not be high enough. <clears throat> you, uh, if, you, if you bought a new box of rod, there's probably going to be a sheet in there that gives a, a parameter of amperage. Hmm. Try turning it up a little bit. Another trick, 
uh, take your propane torch. I assume most people have little plumbing torches. Heat the rod up. Get the moisture out of it. It'll help. Heat your material up as well. Okay. Cold, cold rod to cold steel is always going to be a pain in the butt. Huh. Okay. And if it, if it won't even arc at all, it just may have too much flux built up on the end of the rod. You can, I just take it and scrape it on the, the concrete floor here. But definitely try turning your amps up, you know, five amps, eight amps. Uh, warm up your rod with a torch and warm up your material with a torch. See, that's the kind of real world tips I love getting from people who know their shit. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to freaking start with that. That's awesome. Some, some machines have an automatic hot start you can set to where for the first five seconds it bumps the amperage up. Okay. To, to try to eliminate the problem that he's having. I have that problem all the time too. I, it don't matter how long you've been doing it. Especially getting to tight spots and it's it's tough to get your hands in and your head, then you're gonna start sticking rods, but it happens to all of us. Hunter showed up a little bit late, but I think we'll touch this one again. We kind of talked about it already, but he's just looking for recommendations for a generator rig. I only have 120 plug at the house, want 240 for bigger bigger material. Well, like I said earlier, the most common are gonna be the the Miller Bobcat. You can get that in a 225 amp. 250 and i believe there's a 260 out now okay uh the miller equivalent to that is going to be the the ranger lincoln ranger and now they have the mpx which comes in i think 330 amps it's a very compact unit it's probably one of the the best newer welders coming out but definitely look around they're all over facebook marketplace look around for uh you know a bobcat or a ranger they're going to be the most common and um, when you talked about buying used, what, what do you look for? I know if I'm going to go look at a, a used generator or something, I know what I'm looking for. But if you went to go and, you know, you saw one on Facebook Marketplace and you went to go pick one up in person, what, what would you look for in a used gener in a used uh, welder? Definitely the hours. Okay. Um a lot of maintenance can go into them once you start pushing 1,500 hours, 2,000 hours. Most machines, they're about dead at 6,000 hours. Okay. I'm not a small engine mechanic. Uh, I got a guy here on the hill that is. <clears throat> I would take him with me, to be honest. Um, look, at, see if it's been abused. Look, is, is the sheet metal all beat up? Is it? I've seen them covered in paint, like a blue machine covered in white overspray. Oh. You know, you can kind of get an idea of how somebody took care of the machine based on how well they took care of their truck and maybe even just the, the appearance of the machine. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. What, um, what's a good rule of thumb for kind of percentage of retail? If you're looking to, to buy a used one, like 50% or used welders are going for a lot right now. I mean, I'm seeing them on marketplace multiple times a day, machines with over 2000 hours on them going for, you know, what was a new machine three years ago? Oh, wow. Okay. All $6,000. Some of the bigger machines, they go for thirty dollars or $40,000. They're still being resold for fifteen, twenty thousand dollars 20000 with, you know, anywhere from four hundred to 4,000 hours on. Oh, uh, okay. So the big one is look, I mean, you want to make sure it hasn't been road hard and put away wet, but look at the hours then. Check the hours. Check to see if it, it looks like it's just been abused. You know, ask them if, if, if you could try welding it. You know, a lot of times, generator runs, 
but it won't strike an arc. There's a board in there that can go bad. Oh, okay. So it might sound good. It might even look good. When you go home and try to weld with it, it won't strike an arc. And then you got to get in a pissing match with the guy. And he's probably going to say, well, it worked fine when I had it. Yep. What'd you do with it? Drop it off your truck when you're bringing it home? Yep. Uh, Chris Dixon just said, um, see if you wanted to comment on this, a good rule of thumb he learned was amperage setting for stick is to use the fraction size of your rod. So eighth inch is 125, so 125 amps to get started. I'd agree with that. That's cool. I hadn't heard that before. Uh, also, he said, don't buy at an auction. He's an expert at auctions, but nice looking welders are going are going for stupid money right now. I can't stomach the noise that comes out of an auctioneer, so you won't find me there. I, I know. Chris does well at auctions. I can't stand them. I've never... I've gone to a few and I've never gotten a good deal at an auction. You've got to be patient and you need to go to a lot of them because people, that's, yeah. there's a reason they sell things at auction because they go for crazy prices. Uh, Freedom Media Corps says, I'd love to make furniture out of wrought iron. What yep. type of welder do I need for that? Just a small MIG welder. Okay. Um, you can even get one that plugs into 110. Really? Okay. Um, that will do the majority of, I would assume she's going to want to use uh, like thin square and rectangular tubing because it tends to go nice if you're putting wood, uh, like a wood top or a wood back. Um, you want something that's going to be a little more versatile, just go the the, the next model up that uh, plugs into a 220 outlet. What about, uh, does Harbor Freight have any good welders? You're asking the wrong guy. Okay. I would say You'd say no. Yeah. yeah. It's my livelihood. I mean, I, I shop at Harbor Freight for like zip ties, rubber gloves. I do buy sockets. Okay. Um, welder. I don't, I've never used one. I, you know, it's my livelihood. I got, I'm, I really think it's important to get, you know, the, the best shit you can afford. Absolutely. I get it. I was just thinking, because I've seen the the um, the 110 little stick welder that I bought here. I bought it secondhand. It had almost not been used at all. And the thing was only, you know, about that big. It wasn't very big. And it came from Canadian Tire, which is, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's Harbor Freight, but it their quality would be comparable to, you know, the Predator Generators and the, you know, um, their yeah. other stuff, right? I mean, my brother-in-law, a couple of houses down, he just bought a, a little stick welder. It's like the size of a shoebox, maybe even smaller. Like, it's like yeah. a brick. It's yellow. Okay. And right from China. I was coming home from a job one day, and I seen him out there playing with it. I gave him some of the rod I had on my truck, and uh, we messed with it. I got it welded pretty good. I, I had no complaints. Do you remember what he paid for it or where it came from? I could probably find it on Amazon here if you'd like. Sure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's it wasn't much. Like 150 bucks, maybe. Wow. That's crazy. What else we got? Oh, Princess Auto. Yeah, yeah. Clark, Clark's laughing at Princess Auto because that we have Princess Auto here in Canada, which would be very similar. I, I would call it um the Canadian version of Harbor Freight. You know, okay. they they don't have nearly as Harbor Freight there. No. So whenever I buy Harbor Freight stuff, I buy it when I'm in the States and then bring it back across the border with me because we don't have it. So yeah, I know everybody's like, why do you get so excited over Harbor Freight? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because it's like telling somebody you can't have something, right? Yeah. Tell me I can't have cake and I want to eat cake. That's just how it goes. But um, while you're looking, I can read this question too, if you want. Uh, this one's from Hunter. 
And he said, is there a class for fixing rigs or is it just a YouTube university thing? I, I think the welding rigs, like uh, I think that maybe is what he means. Like, is there for maintenance and any good resources for maintaining or repairing welders? Oh, class for fixing. Oh, if I got something I can't do, I take it to somebody that that's what they do. It's worth paying for, right? Well, yeah. I mean, how how much money is it costing me to have a machine that's down? You know, it, I might be losing double what it's going to cost me to have it repaired. And your time, too. I mean, how many hours are you going to take frigging with something trying to fix it yourself? Yeah. If you find then, a good uh, welding uh, supply store in your area, they most likely have a repair guy on hand. If not, they might have somebody who travels around and does it. Okay. Here we got one. It's about 45 minutes north of me, but I could take any machine down there any day and he'll probably have a fix the next day as opposed to me bringing it in here, tearing it down, trying to YouTube it, trying to diagnose everything, printing out the schematics and all that crap. I've done that in the past. and ugh. It rarely works out for the best. Yeah. At least that's how I look at it. I don't know. That's just me. But I mean, I don't mind tinkering and trying to fix things myself because that's part of what I love to do. But uh, when when it's caught, like you said, when it's costing you money, or when it's uh, taking your your time out of your busy schedule, well, then that's where you end up getting. Yeah, it's not worth the investment for sure. I think I found that machine. It's a uh, oh, perfect. It's one hundred twenty nine dollars. Okay. It's called Deco Pro. Okay. Let me see here if I can. It's one hundred sixty amp stick welder. It's real tiny. How do you spell it? Uh, D E K O Pro. There we go. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's the machine my brother in law bought. I mean, I wouldn't take it out and run it all day long, but, you know, for the average guy fixing his stuff in his garage or on his farm, why not? Here, let's bring it up. Um, <clears throat> there. Is that the guy? Looks like it. That's crazy. It's a good looking welder for look at that price. $129.99 US dollars. That's not bad. And that is that a 110, is it? Uh yep. Is that a 20 amp plug on it or is it a looks like an industrial or maybe it's just a 110 plug? Or I mean just a 15 amp, but whatever, that's great. That's a cool little and it probably looks bigger than it actually is, I'm guessing. You know, it says 120, 220, so it probably has a little pigtail to plug into 220, like put it into a dryer outlet or something. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, what do we got here? And Hunter says, the reason I – well, let's get rid of this guy while we're talking here. Um, the reason I ask is because I had a welder that bought everything and fixed them up. Glass on the brushes is what he said was the problem most of the time, but I never learned from him how to fix them. That's a pretty specialized gig. Most of us don't do any of that stuff. Sure. We do have guys here locally um, that do all that repair and diagnostics and whatnot. And uh, I've dealt with Miller welders, Miller Electric in the past, buying parts for machines. They're actually very good to deal with. You call them up, you tell them what it is, they give you a part number, and they tell you you, got, you can buy it from you know these three different places, uh, send you a diagram how to put it in. If you can figure out the problem yourself pretty quick, it's easy to fix. But, but anything specialty is not worth the time, eh? 
No, and the amount of time I'm going to be down trying to fix something, I could have been out making hundreds of dollars a day, right? Clark said that little uh, shoebox wanted to be perfect for go-kart building. I bet it would be. Yep, my buddy, he bought it for, uh, uh, he's, he's real building a car he had since he was a kid. Okay. And he was putting a roll cage in it. And Dixon says that it's dual voltage. That's correct. That makes sense. Okay, that's cool. So we've been, oh man, we, we, we've flown by hour and a half tonight, but it's been good. <laughs> So are there any, I don't know, anything, any lessons? I mean, business is business, but is there anything you've learned over the last couple of years that you wish you knew going into it? Oh, yeah. We can fill another two hours on that. I know. I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't open Pandora's box, but I, I always like to hear somebody, you know, if, if there's a piece of advice you got for somebody who's thinking about doing it. Oh. You know, like I said a couple times, it's really difficult to find good, um, <clears throat> good business mentoring. That really helps. Um, I would definitely, if you're considering starting a business, regardless of what it is, find somebody that's either successful in it or part of their livelihood is giving the, the counseling. Um, we've got a, an organization here called the Small Business Development Center. I got in with a guy who was not much older than me that was in construction. So we kind of, we, we click pretty well. He helps me, uh, he helped me apply for a couple grants. Uh, he's helped me get some, uh, like some programs that kind of, you know, I was doing everything on paper ledger and that was just killing me. Yeah. So he's kind of helped me get everything on like QuickBooks and look for those resources first. Think about your market, your target market and get something specific to that made out. You can hand out in person, whether it's a specific card. I've got three different types of cards. Okay. So I've, and I've had good luck with that. You know, get the specific card or postcard or flyer made out and just go talk to people, man. You you gotta you gotta build those relationships. You could have one guy with all the money in the world come to you one time. There's only one job. You need repeat jobs, you need repeat <laughs> customers. And not everybody that you work for is gonna need you right away again. But the fact that you know, if you're professional and they're happy with you. You know, I, I wish when I was younger, I had a little bit better character. I was kind of a prick when I was younger. I've had to sure. really learn to, you know, talk to people and, and to be a little more, you know, respectful and learn how to talk. But building those relationships has really been what's kept me alive in business. Because, uh, you know, you get a, you get in good with the right places and they're happy with you. Well, they know all the other places, too. Sure. All the big guys know all the big guys. All the mid-grade guys know all the other mid-grade guys. Those are the things that I wish I knew, you know, eight years ago or whatever, and I was still kind of dabbling with a side hustle. I'd have been, rather than, you know, trying to come up with new ways of making things and buying new equipment, I would have just been out building those relationships and earning people's trust in their business just with what I had at that time. That's perfect. That's yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> didn't no, even I, really, yeah. I was going to say, didn't even really prepare for that question. I know I didn't, we didn't know that was coming ahead of time, but that that's good, man. And you know, I, I'm uh, totally guilty of the toolbox fallacy. Like Jack Spierko talks about, I'm constantly like, well, I can't do this until I have this piece of equipment. But you know, if, 
90% of those things, I'll find something that works just as good, but it's still, it's still a mental challenge to, to get past, uh, making excuses why you're not going to do something. And it doesn't, I don't care how long you're in business, that kind of stuff sticks with you. You yeah. just, you, you I, I think you find a way to get past it a little quicker as time goes on, but it's always there. Yeah, for sure. So if people want to catch up with you, Dan, how, what's the easiest way if they got welding questions or they want to see your work, that kind of stuff, how do, how do people keep up with you? Uh, I answer every DM I get on Instagram. If they want to catch me there. Um, <clears throat> I'm on Facebook as well. My business page on Facebook is, uh, I think I gave you all the links. I, I put them in yep, today's show notes. Is it, what is um, it? The, uh, DC Ironworks, is it? Or I got it here somewhere. I can bring it up, but yeah, I got it right here. It's, it's okay. It's DG Ironworks LLC. No spaces, no underscore, anything. That's okay. Facebook. Perfect. Anybody wants to email me, go right ahead. My, I have uh, my personal email that I use for the business and everything else is dbartwelding at yahoo.com. Anybody can email me there anytime. So that's D-B-A-R-T welding at yahoo.com. That's correct. My okay. initials, my part of my last name, welding. Perfect. I put that in the in the uh, live chat here for you guys, too, if you want to follow up with Dan. Okay. Because, yeah. Uh, Joe says, thanks for uh, thanks for all the great information. This is, this is awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear a couple guys chiming in with questions. I, I'm super passionate about it. I, I really feel like more people that live kind of, you know, self-sufficiently, I think everybody needs one of these gas drive welders because it's so versatile and it saves our ass every time the power's out. I don't lose nothing in the freezer. The power was out for a week last year in April. I didn't lose. We could, we could run the well pump. You know, we could shower, we could do laundry. All that ran off my welder. And as soon as the power came back on, I got back on the road and went out and made money with it. We might have to bring you back on and we'll, we could just kind of, I would, I mean, we talked a bit about self-reliance, but we really kind of skirted around it. It was just, but you know what? Entrepreneurship is to me, a tenant of modern preparedness. I mean, if you, oh, yeah. I really, if you want to be self-reliant, what better way than to start your own business? Exactly. Well, thanks, Dan. Um, if you want to hang around in the background for a minute, I'll be yeah. right back with you and close up here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate all the questions. It's been great Anytime. talking to you. We'll have you. We'll have you back again. I really appreciate the conversation, man. I would love that. Thanks. No problem, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. This was fun. I, you know, you you just don't know. This was a this was one where Dan reached out to me and filled out the guest form, which I don't plug often enough because I'm usually two or three months, you know, booked right now. If you're thinking, man, I'd love to get on and chat with Tim, I believe I have one opening at the end of March. And then we're booking into April. But I would love that. Go to uh, toolmantim.co and go to the guest form, fill it out, and we'll get you on. Because everybody has an interesting story. Everybody has something cool to share. And that's what I love. I had very little idea of what we we're in for tonight. And Dan knocked it out of the park. So, uh, again, thank you to Dan. And I hope you guys, you know, if you have questions for him, reach out. Or if you have other questions send them to me and we'll do a follow-up show down the road because uh, you guys obviously were into this one and I was too. I learn every time I bring somebody on. So once again, thanks to Dan. Uh, reach out to him, guys. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.